Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, the show where we seek to encourage and inspire one another with the help of our excellent spiritual directors to take the next few steps in the journey of faith today. My name is Patrick Conley, behind the mic for Josh Raymond today. In addition to helping out here on The Inner Life and occasionally on Morning News, I host a show for Relevant Radio local to the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis called Practicing Catholic. So if you'd like to learn a little bit about what God is up to in the Twin Cities Metro in East Central Minnesota, check out practicingcatholicshow.com. Well, as I'm sure I probably don't need to tell most of you, we are headed into yet another great solemnity this weekend. Last weekend, of course, we celebrated the Most Holy Trinity, and this Sunday, we're focusing in on the Eucharist, as together we celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Jesus, commonly known as Corpus Christi. And in in anticipation of this great solemnity... We're going to try to whet the appetites here on The Inner Life a little bit for this upcoming celebration of Corpus Christi. We'll focus our discussion today on the Eucharist and this great feast. Let's say hello to our spiritual director for today who will guide us in our discussion, Father Sam Kachuba, a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport and pastor of St. Pius X Parish in Fairfield, Connecticut. Father, welcome. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Great to be with you. Well, let's start out, Father, just with a little bit of uh, history, if you don't mind. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the well, the formulation of the celebration of Corpus Christi? Because it, uh, it wasn't necessarily an ancient celebration in the Church, uh, officially anyway, am I right? Yeah, it, it's been uh, many centuries now that we've been celebrating it, but you're right, it's not from the, the earliest days of, of the Church. It was actually around the 13th century. Uh, St. Juliana, uh, who is a woman in Belgium uh, who is living the consecrated life, who began to ask for uh, a particular feast within her own diocese to be celebrated honoring the the Eucharist. And uh, eventually, Pope Urban IV in 1264 adopted it for the Universal Church. But even after he adopted it and added it to the calendar, it was still still a number of years before it it went fully universal in the life of the Church. Hmm. Right, and uh, it's is is that surprising to you, Father? I mean, it seems a little bit seeing as we know that well, as Saint John Paul II has put it, um, you know, the Church draws her very life from the Eucharist. We know that uh, we know that this is the source and summit of the Christian life. Um, so, does it seem strange to you at all, or do you have an idea of to to why it kind of took so long to get it uh, honored in this special way? Yeah, well, yes and no, all right? So on the one hand, you have historically Holy Thursday is the day of the institution of the Eucharist and of the priesthood. And so that would always be sort of a day of of special focus on the gift of of the Eucharist. And so in, in a lot of ways, maybe the Church was thinking that there's already this great feast of the Eucharist. 
Uh, and so it's not necessary in the, the strictest sense to have something uh, particular for that. Mm-hmm. But over time, as you start to discern and recognize that, Holy Thursday very often becomes the focus. That's, that's the day of the Chrism Mass, right? And so if the Chrism Mass is celebrated on Holy Thursday, that's the day that the priests are renewing their priestly promises. The focus can kind of shift on Holy Thursday to that reminder of, of what the priesthood is, what the priestly ministry is. Then as you have the, the mandatum, the washing of the feet on Holy Thursday. Uh, so the focus can kind of go away from the Eucharist to be more on the uh, the service that Christ offers and that, that need for, for Christian service to one another. So all of this kind of plays in, I think, a little bit. So the idea of a, of a separate feast, just honoring the body and blood of Jesus, honoring this gift of this this tremendous sacrament, uh, really became something that was necessary. But a lot of times in the life of the Church, when you have these different feasts, the reason that they're celebrated in the way that they're celebrated is because the people are recognizing a, a need, a particular mm-hmm. devotional desire, and then the Church responds to that devotional desire with a liturgical celebration. Mm, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful way in the way that uh, the church as a whole moves in that sort of direction, and we see the liturgical calendar filled out. Then, well, um, we have a number of questions, of course, and we'd love to get stories from our listeners. If you have a particular devotion to the Eucharist, is it something that you receive frequently? Do you receive the Eucharist frequently? Do you make res- regular visits to the Blessed Sacrament? Was there a particular time in your life of faith that you came to appreciate the Eucharist in a new and profound way? And what was it that brought you to that appreciation? Well, tell us a story. Inspire others with your experience of the Lord in the Eucharist. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. But, uh, Father, before we get into the listeners and and their questions and comments, I, I love to hear... Uh, from from priests, what was it like? What was it like for you to consecrate the Eucharist for the very first time? Hmm. It's so interesting. That's one of those memories that it stands out, and yet at the same time that it's it's a really distinct memory for me. It's sort of blurred. So it stands hmm. out in this way. It was, of course, it's the first time. It's the first time I celebrated the Mass. Uh, it was a, a powerful moment to be able to speak those words of consecration, uh, a powerful moment in, in my life to recognize that this is this is what I'm called to do. And I, I remember elevating the host and just really being filled with this this awe, the sense that, that God has chosen to make himself present in my hands yeah. through my through my words. And yet at the same time that I can say all those things and, and recognize what a powerful moment it was, um I'm not sure that my first Mass stands out all that much from the Mass I celebrated this morning, mm. <laughs> or from any okay. of the Masses that I've celebrated in those 14 years since. In, in a certain way, uh, it's, it's almost like it's the same experience every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I, I want to keep that, right? You never want to get so so right. bored by the Mass or anything that you're just celebrating <laughs> it as, a, as something that's kind of nonchalant. But really, there's there's a sense in which, for me, I don't really I don't really see different Masses all that differently from from one another. But there's just the beauty of that that very first Mass. And a lot of times you'll see in sacristies uh, all over the country, all over the place, a little sign. Uh, just before the priest leaves, that says, Priest of God, celebrate this Mass as if it were your first Mass, as if it were your last Mass, as if it were your only Mass. Mm. So just this reminder of how precious every celebration of the Eucharist really is. 
Yeah, yeah. And I suppose in a way that that sort of addresses my last question, too, about why did it take so long to get a specific solemnity for the Eucharist on the liturgical calendar officially? Well, um, because it's such a focus every time we we have Mass, right? I mean, that's... Mm. Yeah, there's, yeah, for both the clergy, of course, but also for the laity as well. That uh, of course, yeah, absolutely. Well, wonderful. We are talking about the Eucharist and the Feast of Corpus Christi, this, this great solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ that we are celebrating this Sunday. If you have a specific or particular devotion to the Eucharist, or if there was something that made the Eucharist just come alive for you to help you appreciate it in its profundity. Give us a call. Tell us the story. Inspire others with your story. Our number here on The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You can also send us an uh, an email. Our email address here is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, I have to say, so I am a convert to the the Catholic uh, faith myself. I came from an evangelical Protestant background and came into the Church back in 2010. And um, the Eucharist was one of the things that absolutely drew me into the Church, the whole idea of sacrament, but particularly. And I remember in my in my RCIA class uh, classes, my class days, when we when we had specifically one session devoted to the Church's understanding of the Eucharist. I remember the priest who was presenting, um, he stood up and the first line he said was, well, here's something for all of you to know as you investigate the Catholic faith. If the church has the Eucharist wrong, we've got it all wrong, mm. which <laughs> kind of underscored the uh, the absolute uh, reliance that we have on the Eucharist. Um, and I'm just wondering if you can expand on that. Why would why would a priest claim that? Why why is it our doctrine of the Eucharist? Why is it so fundamentally profound and important to our living out of the Catholic faith? Well, I think if you look at the history, right, the history of, of our church, and, and think of all the different ways in which the church has succeeded in proclaiming the gospel, and how the church has has succeeded in carrying out the mission that Jesus entrusted to us. But then, as we're going to consider those those great successes. We can also very clearly, if we have any kind of honest history in our minds, we'll see the many different ways in which the Church has failed, mm-hmm. the many different ways in which we as individuals have failed to live out the mission. But the one thing that the Church has been extraordinarily consistent with, the one thing that we have managed to do, is exactly what Jesus said to do at the Last Supper. Do this in memory of me. Mm-hmm. We've messed up everything else <laughs> in some way, <laughs> but we have celebrated the Eucharist. Even even the, the worst of, of leaders in the Church have celebrated the Eucharist, yeah. have offered the Mass. Now, if what we believe about the Eucharist is true, that this is really the body and blood of Jesus, that this is the way in which he wants to, to feed us, then the one thing that we absolutely must do, we can we can fail in so many other ways, but the one thing that we absolutely have to do is have the Eucharist. Hmm. But if we don't have the Eucharist, or if, if we're if we're wrong about what the Eucharist is, then we must be wrong about all the other things that, that we teach. Um, it would sort of follow logically in that way. But yeah. the Eucharist, and it's so clearly revealed this way, it's so clearly given to us this way, um, and so clearly understood from the very beginning that this is the thing that we had to do. Think about in the Acts of the Apostles when uh, they realize that the widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of the bread. 
Right. So the daily, the communal meal of the of the whole Christian community, if they're being neglected, the apostles need that time to be focused on on preaching the word. We're going to make sure that they're that people are fed. In the same way, they're gathering together for the breaking of the bread, and we hear this just from the very beginning. And that doesn't only refer to a communal meal; that's referring to the apostles doing the thing that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning, we've we've known that this is the the center. This is the the whole focal point for the Christian community. And so as long as we can keep that going, we're, we're on the right track. We're doing what we need to do. Father Sam Kachuba is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life as we talk about the Eucharist. If you have a particular story about some way that the Lord has really grabbed you through the Eucharist and uh, helped you in your faith, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Let's actually go to the phones, Father. We've got Diane, who's been patiently waiting in Chicago. Diane, welcome to The Inner Life. Welcome. It's an honor to be on here. It's a first-time caller, and I've been listening for a long time. Well, welcome. Thanks, Diane, for calling. So I just was going, I was sharing that um, someone, I, I, I was raised in the Catholic school in Chicago. Okay, born and raised here in the South Side. Grammar school, high school, college, even got married in the Catholic church. And my mom tried to do everything right, but, you know, I mean, five kids in six years, and it's just, you know, we went to Mass, but I guess we were never really taught why and why and what the Eucharist really is. And she relied on the teachers to share this and teach this. And I think that's what a lot of parents are finding out today, you know, that the kids aren't being taught what, you know, they should be taught. But back then, um, as far as my faith, I, I went to Mass and I was really, I guess, never taught why. And then... I was working with a girl in a school, a Catholic school, helping her set up her room. And she said, can you go to this teaching phase to your kids? Can you go to this, like, talk with me? My friend's inviting me, and I, 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 I'm not going to go alone. Would you go with me? It's just, it's just two hours. It's this lady's house in Beverly. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I guess so. And I went, and the weirdest thing is, I loved it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these, these are like moms that know their faith. This is fun. I, I really hadn't had any friends like this who knew the rosary and knew all this and lived it, and they were great examples. And, and I just loved what I heard there. And it was actually Helen Keeley. She brought Opus Day to the south side Chicago. Maybe all of you, some of you know her. Uh, and she was with Nancy McCormick. So it was through those two ladies. They held this class, and I loved it. And and here's the funny part. I went home, and they said it would be the next month, the same time, second Tuesday. And um, my friend said, she's not going. And the other one said, she's not going either. I'm like, oh, then I won't go. But Helen knew those two weren't going. And she said, we're going to have someone come and pick you up. I'm like, oh, no, that's okay. She goes, no, we're going to have someone pick you up. And one of the McCormick girls picked me up, and they they took me to Helen Healy's. And I didn't even know this McCormick girl. Um, I knew her in the old neighborhood from St. Thomas More, but now God brought her back into my life again. It was just like, oh, my gosh. And then here it is, 30 years. Let's see, I was 30 years old, pregnant with my second, and now I'm 62. And all four of my kids graduated from an Opus Dei a grammar school, Kingswood in Darien, and they lived their faith. You know, three of the four 
Um, they're, they're all, one is Christian, the three are Catholics, they're all married, and it's just been amazing. I, I, I can't begin to tell you the, the turn it took, you know, turning the corner, having this woman come into my life, like, just help me with my classroom, and then, oh, just go to this meeting with me. And she never came so back. So, Diane, let me, uh, let, me, uh, let me ask you, Diane, as, as your, uh, well, let me actually ask Father. So, Diane, thank you for that, and, and thank you for that wonderful story. But um, what is it about, uh, how, how can we inspire another, just like Diane was just talking about, how can we inspire another to a greater devotion to our Lord present, truly present, in the Eucharist, I mean, what can we what can yeah. we do with our our thoughts, lives, and actions? Well, I think Diane's story is so beautiful because she's speaking about how a friend invited her, a coworker invited her, somebody that that she saw regularly, that there was already a relationship there, invited her to come to something that seemed like it was out of the ordinary. Uh, but what a beautiful experience it turned out to be because there she found that that sense of community. A lot of times it's just extending the invitation to somebody. So we can invite a, a friend. If, if you have a friend, if you know somebody who, especially somebody who's also a Catholic, uh, to invite them to, to come to something at, at your parish. Then when it comes to helping people to that deeper appreciation of what the Eucharist is, um, I think the first thing is always our, our own personal reverence for the Lord in the Eucharist. So how, how do you behave when you go into the church? Uh, are, are you genuflecting? Um, think about, about the genuflection before the tabernacle and what that means, and, and never neglect the genuflection, right? Make it something that you always do. Um, think about how you receive the Eucharist and the, the, the reverence, the uh, your disposition as you're approaching the altar, because that it, it carries something physically for you. You know, a proper disposition for, for the Eucharist to receive the Eucharist is, is going to manifest in the very way that you carry yourself physically. So that there's, there's, these are simple things, right? Just the, the outward signs. Right. And then right. invite people to talk to you about it. Um, our, our relationship with Jesus, who is present waiting for us in the tabernacle, uh, it's not something to be kept secret and hidden. Uh, likewise, telling people that I went to Mass or I went to adoration, I got to spend some time, I was kneeling in front of the, the tabernacle at church, and the, the Lord put this on my heart, I just wanted to share it with you. Um, those little things, when you kind of open the door to share a little bit of your faith with somebody else, um, they might be indifferent to it, <laughs> they might not really respond right away. But at the same time, what you've done is you, you've shown them something of your faith. You've shown them something of, of what you believe and why it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's well put, Father, and I think that that's a great encouragement to all of us to to continue talking about the what the Lord has done in our lives, but specifically how we've encountered him in and through the Holy Eucharist. So, Diane, thank you for your call on that. If you have a story about how the Lord has... You have encountered the Lord, rather, in the Eucharist, and uh, if his, he's profoundly touched your way in some way, do give us a call here at The Inner Life, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, as we are talking about the Eucharist and the Feast of Corpus Christi with our spiritual director, Father Sam Kachuba. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. Today we'd like to thank Edward, who's listening in Massachusetts, for donating his GMC. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond today as we are talking about the Eucharist. 
in light of the upcoming feast of Corpus Christi. Our spiritual director today is Father Sam Kachuba, who is a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, where he is pastor of St. Pius X Parish. And Father, um, got a couple of folks waiting on the line, but uh, I just wanted to throw this out there soon, too, because I, I'm... Uh, I, I'm guessing it's going through people's heads as we're devoting a show to the Eucharist. Of course, what it was just uh, two, three years ago, this uh, this Pew study on uh, on the lack of belief in the true presence or the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist by a majority of of Catholics in the country. Um, any comments on that? Any thoughts about that? Well, I think it's it's tragic for one thing. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's such a sad thing to read because. When you when you've had the experience of the Eucharist and, and you've come to understand, insofar as we can understand the mystery of the Eucharist, when when you know who the Eucharist is, what the Eucharist is, uh, it just kind of it, it fills you, it changes your whole life, um, and so it's tragic that that more people have not been given this opportunity to know and understand that gift. And I think it's a great wake-up call for us as a church, a great mm-hmm. wake-up call to say we've got to we've got to do better in terms of how we teach the Eucharist. We've got to do better in terms of how we celebrate the Eucharist so that it's evident that what we're doing and what the Eucharist is is the greatest gift that has ever been given to the human race. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, it was, I'm sure, it was some of the shockwaves of that that propelled us into the forthcoming Eucharistic revival, which I'm guessing you've heard a lot about here on Relevant Radio, if you've been, if you're a regular listener. And just a, just a reminder, too, that we've, we've got a great video by Father Rocky that's out there that, um, speaking specifically about the Eucharistic revival. And, uh, Want to promote that one any way that you can and will be involved, especially as things kind of get kicked off right here with, uh, yeah, with some of the, uh, with Corpus Christi Sunday and and the diocesan revivals begin around the country even today, so um, or even this weekend. So, Father, tell us more about the Eucharistic revival and what we can, what you're anticipating with it. One of the things that I think is beautiful with this Eucharistic revival is, first of all, it's a, it's a multiple years. So it's recognizing that uh, to be really, truly renewed in, in the Eucharist is something that the Church needs for the long term. This isn't just let's get devoted for a little while and then drop the devotion next year. This is a this is long term. This is actually kind of pointing to what our whole future as a Church needs to be. The other part that I love is this first year, as we begin on Sunday with the Eucharistic Revival, it's called the Year of Diocesan Renewal. And in a very, very particular way, this is a call to priests and bishops to be renewed in their devotion to the Eucharist and their understanding of the Eucharist. So often uh, we hear about things going on in the life of the Church, and as a priest I can tell you I've often felt like, are they going to talk to the priests at all about this? Is there going to be anything encouraging priests to be to be better or to teach priests how to do this? I love that this year is starting with, with priests and bishops, not because I don't think other people need Eucharistic revival, but because I'm so aware in my own heart, my own life, of, of that need to be renewed in my love for Jesus who's waiting for me in the Eucharist and who I, I hold in my hands each day in the Eucharist. So I love that it's starting there. There's something so powerful there. Then it moves into a year of parish renewal, uh, reminding us that our, our primary point of contact with Jesus in the Eucharist is in our local parish. You drive past your, your parish, uh, maybe you're, you live close enough to your church that you can do that every day. We drive past the parish, Jesus is there waiting for us in the Eucharist. Every time we drive past a Catholic church, that's where he's, he's there, he's waiting for us. 
And what a beautiful gift. But if that's the primary point of contact, then for every parish to become more focused on the Eucharist, to be more appreciative of the Eucharist. And then because we have that laser focus on Jesus waiting for us in the tabernacle, present for us in Holy Communion, then that turns us out. So instead of the parish being an insular place, it turns us out on mission to go in and bring uh, the spirit that he has given to us in the Eucharist, to bring the, the love that he has given to us in the Eucharist out to the world. And then that in, informs how we evangelize, because having been strengthened by the Eucharist and going out, then we're going to invite people to come and experience the Eucharist also. We're going to invite people to encounter Jesus in that really powerful and beautiful way. And then from there, we go to the whole national level, uh, from so from, from priests and, and bishops to p- local parishes, and then to this whole national level to remind us that we're not alone in this. It's not just my parish that's doing this. It's every parish in the country. It's not just my pastor. It's every priest in the country. It's not just my family. It's every Catholic person in the entire country has been called to this Eucharistic revival. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, and it, this is all kicking off this weekend. As I mentioned, there's a great video uh, with Father Rocky just talking about specifically what's in store for this Eucharistic revival and some of the vision that he has um, about where this could go as well. So, um, and some of the things for our prayers, right? Because we need to be supporting this uh, this effort, this by showing up, yes, but also in we just need to envelop the whole thing in prayer. If you'd like mm-hmm. to view that video, just log on to relevantradio.com or go to relevant radio app and it's right there it's one of the it's the first thing that pops up is um is this focus on the eucharistic revival and its its initiative starting this weekend corpus christi weekend father let's go back to the phones we've got cynthia who's been patiently waiting cynthia is calling in from jacksonville florida cynthia welcome to the inner life thank you so much um i'll be brief uh i i was separated from the church over 35 years and um i i felt the need to find my way back and I walked into Holy Family and I listened to Father David and he literally was my guide to get back to the faith but scrubbing my soul, going through reconciliation multiple times um, to finally be able to receive the Eucharist it was the greatest gift I've ever had Um, I went this morning and we were uh, re- you know, I received communion and then adoration following. And I mean, the hairs on my arms stood up. I just felt so with the Lord. It was just beautiful. And I just wanted to share that. Wow. Thank you, Cynthia. That's beautiful. Fantastic. And it's so good that you, you had that opportunity to, to come back, to, to receive the Lord again, to, and to now live with Him. It's not just that you came back, but that you're walking with Him every day. That's beautiful. Yes, thank you. It, it is a beautiful thing. For all you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for calling in, and thank you for yeah, it, inspiring the rest of us and reminding us that the Lord is truly there and that we can sense his presence as we uh, encounter him there in the Eucharist and that there's uh, so much that we can rely on him for as we, as we partake in the Eucharist, whether that be specifically in adoration or whether it be in participation in Mass or perhaps receiving communion at a different time. We also, Father, I wanted to mention we had a caller, an off-air caller uh, named Dolores who called in. She said um, she had a moment with Jesus that uh, once when she received communion, and she, she felt really consoled. Uh, apparently from from the Lord. And she said to him, (laughs) I think this is great, she says to him, uh, 
oh, you're in a good mood. <laughs> Send that to the Lord, which I think is a great, I think I'm going to start uh, when I experience times of deep consolation. That's what I'm going to say. But apparently his response to Dolores was, well, there's first communion tomorrow, which I, I think I think that's just wonderful. Uh, yeah, just a great testimony to the Lord truly being present and meeting us where we are, right, in the Eucharist. What a great gift. So, Cynthia, thank you for that call. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let's take another call. Let's go from Cynthia to Father Peter, a missionary of the Holy Spirit who's calling in from Banks, Oregon. Or Oregon, excuse me. I'm mispronouncing Oregon. It's not Oregon. It's Oregon, isn't it, Father Peter? That's correct. It's Oregon. That's where I am. Hi, Pat. Hello. Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, as you said, to share a little bit about um, experience first, uh, part of my vocational history. When I was a maybe 11-year-old boy, I, I was born and raised in Germany. My mom is German. My dad uh, is from San Antonio, Texas. And um, my mom is Methodist. My dad is Catholic. So we were brought up a little bit in both uh, realities. And uh, on the weekends, we had to go to Mass. My dad would take us. Uh, whether we like it or not, and um, I actually I didn't like it, <laughs> so I was a little bit um, always upset because I had to sit through that whole thing, uh, which I didn't understand very much. But I do remember very very clearly I was about 12 years old, must be, um, when the priest was uh, offering the um, body and blood of Christ as prayer through him with him in him. At that moment, I was suddenly completely fascinated, drawn to that. I was almost like if it was being in another world. And at that moment, I very clearly understood, <clears throat> this is my place. This is where God wants I'm telling me, this is, this is your place. And um, I totally fell in love with that. And then when Mass was over, I said, this is what I want to do. And then I thought, then I have to become a priest. And said, no, I do not want to become a priest. <laughs> but it was so, so terribly attractive that I continued and I searched and did all my uh, education, everything. It took me about 20 years later when I was able to stand behind the altar and do that myself. And up to this very moment, it's, um, for me, it was the most important, most beautiful part of the Mass when I'm able to offer Christ to the Father and us together with him. Um, so for me, that center of the Eucharist was, was very, very important. And a little second experience, which comes close, but not as close to that, when I was a um, young adult, I moved to Mexico to learn Spanish. I went to the German college there and then university in Spanish, and I loved to walk and wander around. I went into this one church, um, I was not very sure at the beginning if it was a Catholic church or not. It was a rather modern church, and I didn't identify a tabernacle, and there was a statue, which I didn't really know what it was. It was very modern. But um, it had this cross standing on the altar, and there were people in prayer in the church. And as I knew, yeah, usually, as Protestants say, they do not go into the church for personal prayer. It's more for the community, I guess. And so um, I was... I was terribly attracted. This cross was just so beautiful. So I just sat down. I stayed for several hours. I was just fascinated. I didn't know why. It wasn't until a lot afterwards that I found out that that cross was actually a monstrance and that the Blessed Sacrament was in the center. I'd never seen exposition of the Blessed Sacrament before, so I had not the least idea what was going on. I just found it terribly attractive. 
and that's where I stayed. And then that's actually also uh, was one of the churches where the missionaries were serving at the time. And um, that's how I get to learn the missionaries. And now I'm here as the provincial superior in the United States, uh, continuing with Eucharistic adoration. So um, just how the Eucharist can work and God works through Christ present in, in, in the Eucharist. Yeah, that's my story. Wow. You know, Father, I, I love hearing you talk about adoration and, and experiencing it almost uh, blindsided, like you weren't, you weren't even ready for it. Uh, but I, I can trace my own vocation also uh, with you back to Eucharistic adoration and, and what a powerful experience it was for me. Um, but it's it's so beautiful, and, and I think you're absolutely right to, to go in front of the Blessed Sacrament and to just sort of become aware of the beauty the beauty that's that you're talking about this this church that you're in and, and just being struck by by beautiful things how powerful it is a powerful testimony too and and knowing i knowing that there are a number of priests who have um, either received their vocational call or got the first inklings of their vocational call uh, in and through some encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist. But, of course, the Lord uh, calls us all to his service. You were just talking about this, Father, how when we gather around the Eucharist and we're nourished by the body, body blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, then we, he sends us out so that we... Uh, we can bring people back. We can we can bring people to Jesus. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. So, Father Peter, thank you for the call. Thank you for inspiring us with the, with that. And uh, Father, maybe if I just might if I just might uh, throw this little thought in there. Um, sometimes uh, I am really drawn in, just like the calls that we've had, uh, some of the things that we've we've uh, we've already talked about to the people that we've talked with as we're talking about the Eucharist today on the inner life. Sometimes personally, I'm, I'm really drawn in and I, and I have at least some sense of what they're saying, that I can really sense the presence of Jesus really present there. But I'm going to be honest and say sometimes I'm not. Sometimes it just, it's, it's, uh, I, I make an act of faith, um, but I don't have the, the, overwhelming sense or the the feeling. I'm not drawn to that. Any words of advice for others who may be, for myself, and then others who may be in that situation? I think when, when you're in that, that moment of not really feeling it, yeah, <laughs> just not quite a, being there, yeah. first just recognize your own humanity, right? That we feel that way about so many things in our lives. It's not only the Eucharist, right? Mm. We can feel that way about going to work. We can feel that way about <laughs> having a conversation with somebody. Uh, we can feel like we're we're just a little bit in a fog um, on our on our way to the grocery store, right? There's all kinds of different ways in which we're not going to be fully engaged. And it's when we recognize that that we can actually start to try to do something. So if you're if you're not feeling fully engaged, uh, call yourself out on it. You know, and not in a, an overly critical way, but just recognizing I'm not I'm not really engaged right now. And then that can be the invitation to make that little prayer. All right, Lord, help me to be focused. Help me to be present. Uh, just as you are present to me, Jesus, help me to be present to you. Oh, uh, we know that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. He's there in the tabernacle. What's happening at Mass is happening, whether we're paying attention or not. Jesus comes. He makes himself objectively present for our benefit. Now, if I'm not engaging, that means that I might not be taking advantage of the gift that he's offering to me, but Jesus is there, and his real presence can have an effect. So if I start to notice that my mind is wandering, I'm not engaging very well, I really think the best thing to do is just name it. Mm -hmm. Lord, right now my mind is wandering, and I'm not engaging very well, 
and I want to be with you. I know yeah. that you're here. Um, there's a great prayer that uh, often you'll hear prayed uh, before a, a spiritual conference or something. And just It's a, an act of faith in Jesus present in the Eucharist. Um, my Lord and my God, I believe that you are truly here, that you see me, that you hear me. And so I want to adore you, even if my mind is wandering. Please make this time of prayer fruitful. <laughs> even if I'm getting distracted, please make this time of prayer fruitful. So that can be a good way to even start your, your time, like when you go to Mass. Lord, I, I believe that you're here and that you want to do something. Help me to stay focused. Help me to be with you. Or, Lord, if today is the day that I'm just exhausted and my mind is everywhere else, then let, let me just receive the gift of your presence, even if I'm not paying attention. Right. Amen to that. Great, great words, uh, great advice for us for this upcoming solemnity of Corpus Christi that we're celebrating this Sunday. But really, as you said, Father, anytime we go to Mass, uh, Father Sam is our spiritual director today as we're speaking about the Eucharist and Corpus Christi here on The Inner Life. If you have a particular devotion to the Eucharist or if some way the Lord has really uh, affected your life of faith, drawn you deeper into that life of faith and that journey of faith, please do give us a call, join the conversation, share share your story of how the Lord has uh, met you there and inspire the rest of us. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to take another brief break, but we're going to be back right after this. Stay with us. The Relevant Radio Studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Ray, and my thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Maggie Greshel, who's taking your phone calls as we're speaking today about the Eucharist and the Feast of Corpus Christi, which we celebrate this Sunday with our spiritual director today, Father Sam Kachuba, who is a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, at St. Pius X Parish, where he serves as pastor. Father Sam, we got a bunch of phone calls. People are really uh, itching to tell of their experience of Jesus and the Eucharist, so let's get right to it. Let's go first to Luke, who's calling in from Corona, California. Luke, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you for having me on the air. Sure. I'm a pretty recent revert to Catholicism. I'm, I'm more of a revert from lukewarmness in the Catholic faith, so I had my reversion back when I was 20, and I'm 23 now. And in... And when I, st- I can't quite remember when I started having more of a devotion towards the Eucharist, but knowing that it truly was Jesus, totally present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in there. But one of the more notable moments was when I was altar serving for the first time at, a, at an ordinary parish, which, which is basically the Latin Mass, just all in English. Um, it, the most profound moment was being right behind the priest as he's consecrating the host and looking up after the bells ring and he's holding our Lord in his hands and you're just, and you're right behind him. There's nothing more profound than that. And afterwards being handed the patent to help distribute communion with the priest and just seeing all the communicants come up and, and all the, just all these young families coming up and receiving our Lord. It was just such a moving experience to see and just, just a wonderful privilege to just to serve and help in that whole experience. It was just unlike any, anything else. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful. You, know, you get the experience of, of being up close to what's going on during the mass, and to to recognize that you're you're helping to facilitate the encounter of so many souls with Jesus in that moment. Um, and it's beautiful that you've got such a, a an appreciation for that for that task, and and most of all, beautiful that uh, you had that experience of coming back to the Lord and, and appreciating the gift of, of your faith and appreciating the gift of His presence in the Eucharist. That's fantastic. Hmm. And I think, too, uh, I, I really uh, appreciate you calling in and telling us that, Luke, and reminding us, um, those any of us who have served at Mass, uh, it's, it's such a tremendously privileged place to be so close to our Lord, especially as he is made present, right, in the made present in under the Eucharistic species uh, as he becomes present as yeah it's a it's a great reminder so Luke thank you so much for the call let's go from Luke to Kate who's calling in from Albuquerque New Mexico Kate welcome to the inner life hi I just wanted to share that um, I was born and raised Catholic I, you know all the way through master's degree in college I had Catholic education and I met my husband he wasn't Catholic and I never mentioned anything about the church. He started going to mass with me, and then one day he we were supposed to, he said I got to go meet with a priest, and it was one of the priests that was going to marry us. And I said, Oh, okay. I said, well, You know, you got have. A, he said, I bet I have a surprise for you. I said, What? He said, I've seen something in you that I haven't seen ever before in my life, and I crave it. I'm becoming Catholic as a as a wedding gift to you. Well, I you know, burst into tears and stuff, and I said, well, it's wonderful. He said, there's something different when you receive communion. He said, I can see that God is there. And so, you know, we went along, and we were fine for many, many years, and then all of a sudden one day we encountered a church where we had moved to where the priest was very negative and talked about how much, you know, God didn't accept people who weren't Catholic because he was, you know, he said, well, you can't tell me that because my parents were very, you know, good people. So he left the church, and he was gone for about 10 years. I never pressured him, never, never, never pressured him to come back. I figured he'll come back when he's ready. It was hard on me, but I went through it. And um, one day he heard about there was going to be a, um, a Lenten observance over on the other side of town. He said, why don't we go to it? And I looked at him, and I said, sure. I was shocked, you know. And he said, well, let's go and see what it's all about. So we went. He said, something's telling me I should go. I said, okay, we'll go. And so we went. And they talked about the divine mercy, and they talked about Christ's presence in the world and, you know, at the church. And the next night when, you, when we were coming back, going back, they said, if you want to come back tomorrow night, we're going to do divine mercy. You're going to be exposed to it. We're going to explain it and all this. So we said to my husband, oh, yeah, we got to go back. He said, I kind of like these priests. And I said, okay. They were Franciscans of the Renewal. So we went back the next night. And the priest announced, he said, you know, we're going to do confession while we're doing singing Divine Mercy. But my husband was first in line. And he he went, came back to the church that night. Well, then, lo and behold, several years later, we he was stricken with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And hmm. he spent the last four and a half years of his life learning more and reading more about the Eucharist and St. Benedict and all that. And I would, toward the end... He passed away seven and a half weeks ago from ALS. Um, toward the end, I talked to our parish priest because I had been a Eucharistic minister. He said, sure, you can take the Eucharist home to your husband. It brought me such joy when I would bring it home to him and he'd say to me, this is the reason I love the Catholic Church. I believe Christ is truly with me when you give that to me. And he said, Christ is pulling me through this ALS. And I said, yes, I know he is. 
and he said he he became very you know got in, involved. He couldn't attend the services, but because you know it was wheelchair uh, wheelchair bound and everything, and you know it was too hard to get him in and out of the vehicle. And I would go and I'd come back, and he he started craving to hear what the what the homilies were because he liked our parish priest. And then our one of our deacons started coming and visiting him regularly. And he all they talked about was the Eucharist. And Don, my husband, always said that he was so grateful that he came back. And he knows that because of Christ, he could bear the cross of walking the Lou Gehrig path. Hmm. Wow. Wow, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss, but what a beautiful story at the same time. Um, thanks for your fidelity to him, uh, for walking with him and, and, and holding him up and making sure that he was able to receive the Lord and for, for praying with him. It's it's an incredible witness. It's beautiful. And, and thank you for, for telling us all about his faith, your husband's faith. What a, what a tremendous gift. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Kate, for that. And uh, great story, and I pray that for all of us who have loved ones who are, are away from the Church right now, that we can take inspiration from Kate's story, saying, yep, we're going to trust in the Lord's present Lord's presence to us there in the Holy Eucharist. So thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. Let's go now to Teresa, a Lake Carmelite who's calling in from Surprise, Arizona. Teresa, welcome to the Inner Life. Yes, I'm here. I just wanted you to know that my primary feast day as a Carmelite is Corpus Christi, hmm. and my secondary feast is the Sacred Heart. So hmm. I just love going into the Adoration Chapel. So I bring a paper and a pen in case I hear or feel something I'd like to write down. And I'd like to read you, I'll call it a little poem that I wrote down. It's called Come Into the Quiet, and it goes like this. Come into the quiet and linger a while, and I'll speak to your heart and reveal to you things before unknown to you. Come into the quiet and feel my peace without words. Rest in my presence free of the world, its noise and confusion. Come into the quiet and let us love one another with a depth before unknown to you. Enjoy me. Allow me to enrapture you. Feel me cover you with quiet joy, deep penetrating peace, and infinite love. I'm always here, so come to me, and I will always comfort you. Live in the safety of my love. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. And that's the invitation that Jesus is always giving to us, to come to him and and to be with him. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. Yeah, Teresa, I was just uh, reflecting as you were reading that, uh, the the intimacy of some of the language that you're using there is reflective of some of your Carmelite predecessors there, like St. John of the Cross and others. So I'm grateful that, uh, grateful that you shared that with us as well. And uh, if Corpus Christi and the Sacred Heart are your two, um, your two paternal feast days, then man, this must be a great time of year for you. So God bless you, Teresa. Thank you for, for calling in. Well, Father, only a few minutes left here, and so just wanted to things uh, off here as we are headed into this Feast of Corpus Christi, as we mentioned um, this this weekend, this uh, this 
beginning of the Eucharistic revival. It really kicks off in full uh, fervor on this Sunday with the Feast of Corpus Christi. And by the way, let me mention again, if you haven't yet checked out Father Rocky's video on the Relevant Radio website, relevantradio.com, or gone on the Relevant Radio app and watch it there, he's got he's got some interesting challenges to give you for um, helping to move the Eucharist even more into the center of your life. So check that out. But it's an exciting time. And uh, Father, any any thoughts, reflections, any encouragements as we head into this weekend, again, specifically to deepen our faith in and our participation in uh, Jesus present to us in the Eucharist? You know, I think that Teresa's poem that she, that she read, that the little uh, message from the Lord is, is just very powerful. Come into the silence. Come into this place where where Jesus is present, and just know that He's there. Rest there in Him. I think very often we uh, we get caught up in whether or not this program or that program is going to work. And one of the most effective things for our own spiritual growth, one of the most effective things for uh, the evangelization of people, is to just give them that introduction to Jesus in the Eucharist. I can't tell you how many times I've had young people come to adoration. And that's where their faith takes off. It's not in any of the talks that I've given or the different programs that they've participated in. It's they met Jesus in the Eucharist. The number of times I've talked to people uh, after Mass, and it it wasn't the Mass or the homily, it was the experience of of receiving. Mm -hmm. It's when they they met Jesus in the Eucharist. So that's kind of the invitation, I think, for all of us, is come and, and meet Jesus in the Eucharist. And if you're not sure if you've ever met him before, if you're not sure that this is something that you've really believed in or, or experienced before, um, just ask God for that grace of an open heart to, to encounter him again. And then if this is something that you're very convinced of, like you know that Jesus is here and, and that he's waiting for you, uh, that he desires to, to give something to you, desires to be united to you, then as you go to Mass this weekend especially, uh, just ask the Lord for that gift again of an open heart to be renewed, to be given a new sense of zeal and purpose in your own Eucharistic devotion. Mm-hmm. Great words of advice, our Father. And let me just follow up quickly with one further question, because I, I sent, you know, there are likely some listeners out there who are just not able, as one of our callers said, not able to get to uh, Mass. A Kate, I believe it was, who said that her husband in his, in his last years wasn't able to get mm-hmm. to Mass. Um, how can they uh, maintain and fulfill Eucharistic devotion, just in uh, our last minute or so here, Father? Well, I think one is just recognizing the longing in the heart, um, so often we, we forget that it's something that we need or that, or that we want, and uh, it's often people who are unable to go to Mass, prevented by something that is outside of their control that makes them realize how much they desire the Eucharist. So we should actually, in a, in a way, foster that, just recognize that longing and, and express it to God. Um, of course, it's beautiful when you can watch Mass on, on TV or, or online. Um, it's Of course, we know it's not the same as, as actually being there in person, but it can, it can give you some peace some sense of, of being there, of being part of it. And then we have that, that great practice that we got so familiar with in the pandemic of, uh, of spiritual communion, uh, expressing to God in prayer, Lord, I desire to be with you. I desire to be united with you. I'm prevented from actually receiving you in the Eucharist right now, but out of love, I want to receive you spiritually now. And what a beautiful grace that can be for us. Indeed. Good words from our spiritual director, Father Sam Kachuba. Sam, Father Sam, before we let you go, could you please give us your blessing? May Almighty God pour out His graces and blessings upon you that may grow in your knowledge and understanding of His Son's presence for us in the Eucharist. May God bless you, Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being our spiritual director today, Father. We've got Father Matt's seminar and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass coming up next right here on Relevant Radio. And on Monday, join us again here on The Inner Life as we're going to tackle a great big topic of redemptive suffering. That's coming up next week, Monday, on The Inner Life. Until then, have a great Corpus Christi. God bless.